Miracy. And so highly emotional people tend to be highly sensitive. Introverts, like we just feel bigger in a different way, right? I shouldn't say that because that sounds like it's lesser for the extroverts. But I am one myself and I have experienced when it felt like a curse. What if you can show up powerfully and confidently in your coaching business, even if you're an introvert or a highly sensitive person or an empath? As an introverted person, coach and business owner myself, I know you can show up powerfully and true to your essence. And actually being an introvert can give you an advantage. I'm Melinda Cohen and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console and we're proud to have helped thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. The coaching industry is full of introverts and extroverts. And while you might feel that everyone else seems to always be talking about their services and offerings, you, as an introverted coach, you're quietly feeling stuck and overwhelmed. And some introverted coaches, they may even feel inferior to other extroverted coaches because they may not be showing up like them. I've invited emotional health coach Heather Dempsey to the show to talk about this topic. Heather is a trauma-informed therapeutic business coach specializing in emotional health, mindset, and the psychology of business. I love that. And her clients tend to be highly sensitive, empaths, introverts, and those who struggle with anxiety. Heather, welcome to the show. Melinda, it's an honor. And what a beautiful introduction. Thank you. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show to talk about this topic. I mean, really, I am an introvert, and it's one of the things that I have heard over the 18 years about how it stopped people. But before we dive into this topic, would you mind sharing your background? Like, how did you get started helping empaths and introverts? and highly sensitive persons? Well, especially if we're talking to newer coaches or coaches that are really getting their feet in the ground, it was through deciding what my niche was and starting out with what I thought it was going to be and what I thought it was going to be next and what I niched down even more from. Once I hit home with, I really love to work with people that are highly emotional. And so highly emotional people tend to be highly sensitive introverts. Like we just feel bigger in a different way, right? I shouldn't say that because that sounds like it's lesser for the extroverts. But I am one myself and I have experienced when it felt like a curse. And then I got to experience a transformation of when it was a superpower and a blessing and why I now recognize all the times that I won and succeeded were actually because of those traits. And so I want to help other people because I know how debilitating they can feel when we can't capitalize on them. Now, I want to just clarify what you mean by highly sensitive people. I think it's pretty common sense, but I know I'll share this example. My husband will probably kill me when he hears this episode, but that's okay. He would always say things like, oh, Melinda, you're so sensitive. Now he is very mindful, very loving, extremely compassionate. And he would make that comment. He's like, you're so sensitive. And for a while, I would have this, I'd be like, oh, ha, I know, I know. But inside, there'd be this little twinge of, well, that's because I would feel like it was a label. And there was one day when he said, you are so sensitive. I was like, you know what? I am sensitive. Maybe you could rephrase that differently. 
And he's never said it since. He just, he truly thought he was just being descriptive. I was interpreting it as some sort of judgment. That was a whole nother episode that we'll probably have to get into. But just talk about what do you mean by highly sensitive people? Yeah, so you totally hit the nail on the head of why highly sensitive people tend to hide in the background because they've heard that comment so many times in their life and it wasn't meant as a compliment. So highly sensitive people, the way that they tend to be described or traits or characteristics that they exhibit, they're very emotional. Things seem to bother them or impact them more than it might impact other people. If they're watching violence or cruelty, it's nauseating. It's not just a turn your head. It's like nightmares for days. Even loud noises or very bright lighting. So just imagine if your senses are all heightened and you have that overload of sensation and sensory processing. So that's what a highly sensitive is. But unfortunately, only up until probably a dozen years ago was it talked about in that way. Before it was, you know, a rambunctious or an emotional child was, you know, you have nothing to cry about. Or the adult is you're so sensitive. It's like I have to walk in eggshells with you. None of those things feel good to hear. And so we tend to get a little reclusive and protective because this is what I often discover with my clients who have gone through some challenges with this. We create this identity that we make people uncomfortable because of how much we feel. That right there, I want to dive into that. We make people feel uncomfortable because it wasn't until I realized my job as a coach is to create the safe space for people to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. to create the tension, to create that gap from who they are right now, where they are right now, who they want to be, where they want to be, because it's only in understanding that gap and navigating it can change happen. And so When I discovered and really embraced that as a coach, it's like, wait, I am supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, wait, it's okay to be uncomfortable. And then it was okay for me to be in that place. And I was like, no, I am. That is my job here. That's what I'm doing here. Oh, go me. And then I was able to embrace it. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And you have such a grounded way about you. And I know that it probably took a lot of years to really develop and to be able to recognize it. But there aren't many people that have that clarity and know how to embody it like you do. And that makes me sad. (laughs) So helping to empower those people to find it as the gift or as the superpower is so valuable. Well, and that word right there, that phrase, embody it, that And I don't know if this is true for everybody that's in this category of introvert, highly sensitive people, impasse. I'm not sure if it's true for everybody, but it has been true for me. It was only when I began to embody it, to really take the heightened senses, all of my senses, and embody them through movement to go beyond words, to go beyond my thoughts, and to really embrace the feelings in my body that I could be grounded in myself to help others experience that groundedness. So it felt like a tether for my clients Mm -hmm. or for them to learn how to become grounded in themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that true? Do we need to embody it or is that just how I've navigated it? Or is that, it's like, no, as an introvert, as highly sensitive people, we do want to embody it. Is that a necessary thing? I think that would come to what is a personal definition of embodiment, right? Because somebody could interpret that differently. 
embodiment for some people is actual physical movement. For some, it's just owning it and accepting the way that we are. To me, the way, and and I hope that this is still on course with what the question was, to me, a lot of what is making it not feel like a superpower, right? Stopping people and holding them back are the beliefs that have become the reality based on how people interpret their highly sensitiveness, their introvertedness. So once we can sift through to say, hey, these are the actual traits of being highly sensitive or an empath versus the opinions that were created within oneself for being that way, when we can separate them, and I love to call it tease it apart, then it can be, oh, that's a belief that I don't have to continue on the path of solidifying this belief anymore. And this is what the tendencies are of highly sensitive and empath. And this is what I can do to utilize that skill. They're very separate things. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they're meshed right now. And that's why it feels like a stuck point. I like how you describe that tease it. For me, it was through physical movement, whether it was yoga, whether it was just breath work, whether it was koya or dance breaks. I love dance breaks. Whatever it was, it was in doing that that I was able to tease out and discover for myself how I interpret that and what it means to me. And then I could see the way others were describing. It's like, well, okay, that's your opinion, but it's not how I experience this. And I could gain that distinction. So I really like how you describe the teasing it out. And like you said, having these, you know, whether we call ourselves an introvert or having high sensitivity, they're not illnesses. They're not bad things. They're not those labels or the judgments that sometimes our culture can get into, but they're traits to be embraced. And I love how you say, you know, they're superpowers and it can be challenging at times in business situations. And one of the areas in business that forever this is coming up is when I talk about networking. And everybody's like, oh no, I'm an introvert. I can't, I don't do networking. And I'm like, but that's exactly who networking is for because we take a handful of relationships and we go deep into real conversations, connections, collaborations. It couldn't be scripted any better for an introvert for that exact reason. Are there other situations in business where you see it to be a challenge? As far as a challenge, I think it is the thought of following kind of standard marketing practices and standard publicity practices. And that doesn't necessarily work for that type of person. And we have a different way that I find that we work more effectively and have better results. If we're doing it like everybody else does it, because that's how they tell me to do it, it's like, no thanks. What does work for us? First, I think knowing that there is no changing to an extrovert. I've actually heard people in the industry saying like, oh, all you introverts, you don't have to be introverted. You can change your mind. No, this isn't a thought process. It's like a part of our DNA. And to (laughs) that person who claimed they were an introvert, they weren't. They were probably just an insecure extrovert. There's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, some of the different ways is maybe the highly sensitive or the introvert doesn't do live launches, but they do a really long email nurture campaign because there's so much that can be automated that you get to put all your feels into it, but it doesn't have to be your energy that you're taking back and forth with other people. Um, So I love really long nurture email sequences, evergreen launches where you're just doing little micro segments where you're live. And maybe you have specific people that you know nourish you while you're doing something that normally drains you there to support you. 
So it's really thinking of when do I feel safest and when am I not exhausted and how can I bring that or those things into my practice of my business? I love that. You know, it just made me think of a couple times a year, we do our big launch. We do a three-day event. I love being on stage. Now, I didn't used to when I first started my business. No, ma'am, do not put me on that stage. I'd probably pass out or vomit or both at the same time. But now I love being in front of groups of people. And what I have found, if you go behind the scenes with me in my three-day event, I have, I call them wing women. I have two wing women. Well, I have my whole team. They're there. But specifically, I've got one wing woman, Lindsay, and she is there to help make sure, am I eating the way I want to be eating? Do I have my green shake in my hand? And she is like a half or a step ahead of me to make sure that my self-care is dialed way up to match the output that I'm giving in those three days. And I get to the end of those three days and my energy is not depleted. I don't feel drained. I'm not exhausted. You know, in between the sessions, there might be an hour break and I'm getting, you know, my green shakes in my hand. I've got water. I'm sitting down. I'm doing dance breaks. I'm moving like all the things, my crystals, my essential oils, all the senses are engaged. But I love how you talked about knowing what your skills are. And if you're doing an evergreen for our listeners that may not know what that is, it's just automating a sequence so that you don't have to be present. And then you can insert yourself wherever you want to, if you want. I, I like how you call them microbursts of engagement. Are there other things, introverts or highly sensitive persons, or, or those of us that really struggle with anxiety, other things that we can do differently with our marketing or the way we put ourselves out there? There's so much depth to highly sensitives and empaths that we tend to be able to just read so much so well. It's why we can become so successful in especially a service-based nurturing industry. So when we can bring our energy to someone somehow, maybe it's not comfortable being live or in a room, but to have that presence, it's magnetic for many people. And because of our nurturing way and our need, we tend to attract the perfect clients to us when they really get to experience us. So many people do want to hide, but it's also a really great practice for your nervous system even to learn like, hey, I did okay. I recorded something and I didn't die today, right? And I didn't have a panic attack. And just to slowly start to share the body that it is okay to do it. Because again, these qualities don't mean we can't do the things. It's the beliefs that we've indoctrinated ourselves into because of the way society people have dealt with our qualities. So we're going to teach the beliefs that that's not necessarily truth by doing these little Again, mini exercises to show the body it's safe. I love that. Show the body that it's safe. And it's not that we can't do those things, but it's our beliefs about them. And it really goes back to, and you were saying this at the beginning of the conversation, going back to what are our beliefs and what do we want to believe? Now, I get from our conversation so far, I think I know the answer to this, but I will ask it anyway. Are you an introvert? And how has that affected how you build your coaching business? Yes, I am definitely an introvert. The highly sensitive part is the part that was my bigger struggle though. I think being introverted is pretty common for people to say, but the highly sensitive just kicks it up so many notches. In the beginning, there was a lot of judgment of how I wasn't doing it like other people. And I was seeing people showing up and started a lot with Facebook groups, right? Going in and just making a presence, kind of building rapport with people, getting a reputation for what my interests were and how I help people. 
And I would see other people showing up and it was like, man, everybody's responding to them. And I would blame it on, right, not being good enough. I'm not showing up as enough myself and all these criticisms, all of them. And I thought that it was because of the highly sensitive. I thought that it was those things. And then as I looked at my previous business, my biggest and longest business was a day spa. It was ranked number one in greater Philadelphia region in Pennsylvania. And I had it for 18, almost 19 years. When I look back at that, the highly sensitive was why it was award-winning. Because I could walk into a room and I could sense that something was off with someone in the room, often before they even could articulate it or figure it out themselves. And I could go in and fix it before it even became to like a noticed reality. And when I started looking for the ways that it's been an asset, I could see all the ways it was an asset. I can see now in my coaching business, the repetitive comments that my clients say of how instantly they know they're safe with me. Instantly they know I just get it that they don't have to explain themselves. So I started to look at the things that were positive and say, how can I utilize more of this instead of letting myself notice the ways that have been challenging, right? And capitalizing, again, nurturing what my strength was instead of letting myself notice the struggle or the weakness in it. So it was just reframing and changing perspective was a lot of it and a lot of shifts in self-talk, finding the different parts of me that had different beliefs and different protective mechanisms to keep me safe and to change that dialogue within. Now we've been talking about this, like as the coach, building our business, running our business, and you mentioned working with clients. So when we have introverted clients or highly sensitive clients, and I'm an introvert myself, so there's some understanding, but my business partner, Kate, you know, she's an extrovert. If you look up the dictionary of expert, her picture is right there next to it. And so when she has an introverted or a highly sensitive client, what's the best way to work with them to get them, you know, if they're stuck or unable to take action? Sometimes this can sound not as complimentary as it's intended. When an extrovert is working with an introvert, they cannot really understand the intensity of the fear or the freeze sensation that can happen. And so in those moments, my suggestion to the extrovert is to consider the introvert to be like the child that you're taking to kindergarten for the first day. They're probably terrified and they might either freeze, drop to the ground and be silent, or they might start screaming and crying, which would be like the grown up version of like going and throwing up, right? Stuff like that. So to treat them with that compassion of how can we do this gently? They still need that nudge to get in there and do it, but how can we do it gently? Sometimes we just need a handheld. Sometimes we need a little more reassurance, some proof and evidence that it will be safe, evidence that we've made it through before, and then reassurance of even if things don't go well or if it isn't comfortable, why is it still worth it? And what will the turnaround be if we have to say, kind of fix what didn't go well? Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love that. How can we do it gently? Such a great coaching question, right? How can you take this step and do it gently in a way that's going to work for you? Because it's not about not taking the step. It's we're doing this now. In what ways can you do this that works for you? Yeah, and I love that this brought up that topic of I find that extroverts can dive into the deep end without knowing, you know, if they can swim, where introverts need to inch their way into the pool. So if we were sitting the extrovert coach next to the introvert coach and said, okay, take off, and the extrovert could dive in and come out and then dive in another pool and come out, the introvert, that would hold them back too much. 
But if they just take little teeny tiny steps that feel comfortable and safe, they can take more tiny little steps and they can do it very quickly because they feel safe and they can end up at the same finish line at the same time where it feels as though that extroverted coach that's just going for it real big is going to get there faster. We tend to think we need to do big action, but very often it's the smaller steps that show us, hey, I did well. It's building my confidence. It's showing me again that safety. The nervous system is one of the most valuable tools to our business success. So when we can get it feeling safe, we're willing to take more courageous action. I love that. And let's just talk through this one. If we've got an introverted coach with an introverted client or highly sensitive client, how do you recommend that they help those clients when they get stuck or unable to move forward? I think it's really important to be transparent in those circumstances because a lack of transparency is going to create energetic confusion. And the client of that introverted coach is going to feel a misalignment with what the coach is saying. So for example, if I have a client that's going through something that I've struggled with and maybe even still am, I will identify that. I will explain to them, hey, I'm going to do my best I can right now because I'm actually matched with a similar situation. I'll explain the situation and I'll explain the steps I'm currently taking. And I also explain the steps I wish I had the courage to take because now it gives them layers of what they're willing to do. And very often our clients will feel so incredibly proud of themselves if they go steps beyond what we're doing in our own business. So by giving them those options is really helpful. Another thing is metaphors. Giving metaphors are really helpful to kind of take ourselves out of it, let the client know that it's still 100% about them and give them examples right, that they can internalize and get more comfortable with. I love that. You can use your own story. You can use metaphors uh, so that they can locate themselves inside of that. I really like how you model that when you talk about, here's the situation I'm experiencing that's very similar to what you're in. Here's the steps I'm taking. And here's the steps I wish I had the courage to take. And just that vulnerability in that moment to express that lets them borrow our courage until they can locate their own as they're on their journey. And it's actually self-serving as well, because very often once we express that to a client, I feel a sense of obligation to them that if they're doing the work, I need to step up and show up a little bit more and do right. some work beyond what they're doing. So it's a really, it's beautiful. It's a win-win for everybody because then they see that you did show up and the next session you can tell them what happened or whatever. It depends on how you dialogue with your clients. Some people don't discuss themselves at all, but I find it to be really helpful because they want to know that you're identifying with them. When introverts or highly sensitive persons, when we get overwhelmed, would you say it's the same kind of way that you work with that client or is there a different way that you work with them when they get overwhelmed or get stuck in moving forward? That's a beautiful question. It depends on the intensity of the overwhelm. So I love that you asked that. I like to work more in the nurturing aspect of things. And so I love a lot of different energy work and I'm a pro-crystal healer. And even though that's not a focus of my work, sometimes that is what we end up bringing into a session. Sometimes a client, again, they're really challenging their body, their physical state when they're doing these challenges that are also intellectual and again, coming back to the nervous system. So when they're really pushing themselves and the nervous system might be in that kind of fight or flight mode, we do really owe the body that opportunity to feel safe and rest. So things like Reiki, crystal healing, meditation, just a lot of self-care to build back up so that there's that you know energetic armor 
not in like a barrier, but as like strength to keep moving forward. Yeah, I am the queen of self-care and it is one of my secrets to how I create an amazing business and create an amazing life and do that simultaneously without one jeopardizing the other. And when I know there's a lot of output, whether it's a launch or a new program we're kicking off, or if I'm just working through my own stuff, if there's a lot of output, my self-care has to ramp up to the same degree or greater. And if not, overwhelm can cripple me or shut me down or just that fight, flight, or freeze. I go into that survival mode and it triggers all kinds of things. A practice that I've encouraged a lot of my clients is whatever the amount of time as you're working with a client, dedicate that much time to yourself. So if it's an hour with a client, it's an hour off. An hour with a client, an hour off. It doesn't stay that way. That sounds like it's very expensive, (laughs) a lot of wasted time, but it's to keep yourself balanced and stable. Another beautiful practice in self-care that I talk about a lot is the backpack that you're carrying. And the emotional and the belief backpack that right now, currently with most people, it's internal, but we can allow it to become external. So from now on, just imagine you have this backpack on and start to allow yourself to discern what's in it. Why did you decide to put it in it? And do you really have to keep carrying it? So you can say like a hurt feeling, someone else's sadness, someone's anger, all these different things. It's a really interesting practice and they can be really empowering to help to discern rather than it being our identity. Beautiful. Now, one of the things that I also experience, we have our signature programs, Coaching Business System program. And when new coaches start this program, their enthusiasm, they're like, yes, I'm great at being a coach. I'm not so good at being a business owner. I'm so glad you're here to help me. And they are so excited and so ready, but also very nervous and very scared, rightfully so. And their enthusiasm It has them wanting to just go gangbusters and just go all in right away and do like, let's just do it. And what I see often happens is that that just hurls them into survival mode. And then perfectionism shows up, procrastination shows up, overwhelm is in the house. All three of them are colliding together at the same time. And what I witness is they're like, let me just push through this. If I just push through, I will get there. And so as an introvert, and this is kind of both for ourselves running our businesses and in working, being mindful and working with our clients, like what strategies are crucial to help make sure we don't just set ourselves up for diving right into survival mode from the get-go because our enthusiasm has us so excited? Yeah, beautiful question. And it kind of goes back to where I was saying like we need to have a different strategy than the extrovert to notice, right, where is the excitement? And this is where I love inquiry. I love just asking myself 15 questions about every single thought I have. Like, oh, really? You want to do that? Why do you want to do that? But why do you really want to do it? What do you think is going to happen if you do it? What's the best thing that could happen if you do it? What's the worst thing that could happen if you do it? What will other people think of you if you do it? Asking all these wacky questions helps you get to why are you rushing ahead? And very often it's like, oh, I'm not actually going to get where I want to go if I rush ahead. We really benefit from not pushing through discomfort as highly sensitives, empaths, introverts, anxiety. We benefit so much more in safe baby steps. The pushing through is avoiding the reason that it's so complicated to begin with. The pushing through, you're likely going to meet a pattern that you've been repeating over and over and over again. Pushing through doesn't really get us anywhere except to the next roadblock. Mm. 
Love that. One of the things that I always say is you can't get through survival mode when you're in survival mode. And it's that safe baby steps, breaking it down, using our breath. It's one of the most powerful tools that we have to help slow down time, create more space right from where we are, no matter what's going on in our life or our world, and saying, what's the next step that I can take? And then what's the next best step? And really breaking that down. And I love when you do the inquiry. Did you say 15? You asked you just like 15 questions. Like, let's really go deep. Like, let's get to those layers. Yeah, just random. There's not like any set specific questions, but I'm just trying to get to what is my real core motivation? It's not Mm -hmm. often what we first think it is. It often stems from either wanting approval, wanting security, right? But at first it's like, oh, because it's going to get me here. But when we can get down to what's the actual, real, serious core motivation, what beliefs or what experiences did not fill that need that you're trying to rectify or make up for, again, unfortunately, until we face that, we're probably just going to keep repeating a pattern because that's all the subconscious knows to do. Now, let's summarize a few things that we have talked about today. Well, first of all, we defined what this is and how being an introvert, being a highly sensitive person, it's not a label, it's not a judgment, although society has done a good job of doing that. But it's really just becoming aware, knowing that we carry the capacity to feel a lot of feelings, have a lot of emotions simultaneously, and I love when you said just having heightened senses. It's just really understanding that all of our senses work at a much more heightened level and knowing that we make people feel uncomfortable. And that's okay because it's what we're designed to do, especially as coaches. We talked about how to embody this, whatever that might mean for you. We got into reframing our beliefs and how it really matters about how we interpret this, not what the opinions of others, but what we think about it. And if we have misaligned beliefs, that's where our work begins right there. We talked about how do we work with clients. I love how you gave the experience side by side with if you're an extrovert working with introverted clients, here's the best way to approach that. If you're the introvert working with introverted clients, here's the best way to approach it. I can't believe we got so much into this conversation. (laughs) When you have so much enthusiasm or when your client has so much enthusiasm with starting a new project and how can we build a solid foundation for ourselves and our clients to build their courage and build their confidence? Heather, do you have any parting words that you want to add? Look at a few ways that these traits do make you the special person that you are and ways that if you utilize them, that you could enhance something that you've been trying to achieve. Sometimes we don't look at the amazing gift that it is. And if you're listening to this, you've probably been curious of how you could do that more. So just take a moment, just a couple moments even. Beautiful. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Heather for this fascinating conversation about introverts and high sensitivity. You can find out more about her at heatherdempsey.com. That's heatherdempsey, D-E-M-P-S-E-Y.com. Heather, thank you so much for coming to this show. Thank you, Melinda. It is a wonderful opportunity to speak with you. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Course Lab. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To catch upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might be listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.